This is a podcast for the moments in life you say to yourself, now what? We will uncover hard topics such as fertility, infertility, the challenges it can bring to women in marriages, miscarriages, abortion, womanhood, identity, motherhood, and more. Wherever you're listening, we're so glad you're here. Now here's Kristen Comstock. Hey guys, this is Kristen Comstock with the Now What Podcast, and we are here for our next episode. Before we get to it, I just want to remind you guys, we are here to talk about some of the difficult topics that we may come across as women and just as people in general in this world, such as abortion and miscarriage, fertility, infertility, even some even deeper topics like rape, molestation, some child, childhood trauma. And so it's really important that we discuss these topics and are able to talk about where God is in this. And so that's what we're here to do today. So I want to welcome you guys. I'm here with Pam Walsh. Hi. And so um, Pam, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. You're such a good friend of mine and you've been married. So how many years have you been married to your husband? Well, we just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. Which is amazing. It is. Yes. Cody and I just celebrated our 10 year and we, we were just thinking back like, wow, I can't believe it goes by so fast. It can. It definitely does. <laughs> and of course, you have some daughters. So tell us how many children you have and their yes. ages and names. Well, I have three beautiful daughters. I have Victoria, who is 27. I have Ella, who is turning 18 next week. And I have Maxine, who just turned 15. So 15. Yep can't believe it you have all teenagers and older yes <laughs> i told my husband it was just his lot in life to be surrounded by beautiful women so and he is he all is. of your all you and Indeed. all your girls are beautiful Indeed. so <laughs> so and then tell us a little bit about what you do tell us what what you do for work and what your occupational background is cuz you have some some cool background. Yep. So I'm from Orlando, Florida. um, And a lot of people that are born in Orlando um, work in the hospitality industry. And (laughs) I am uh, no exception there. So I grew up working at Disney. My sister still works at Disney. Um, Two of my siblings work at Disney and are worked at Disney. And my mother is retired from Disney. Oh my gosh. So uh, from there, um, I went into the hospitality industry with hotels and sales and management and also convention sales which led me on a journey to event planning and that has led me uh, to where I am right now and that is uh, my dream job of working for my church uh, South Bay Church uh, here in Riverview and I am the director of hospitality and I get to do plan some amazing events yes I even sometimes get to do weddings and just all kinds of baby showers um, yes yeah. yeah I love it so um, it's just it's who I am I love to make people feel as though I thought of them before they ever even mm-hmm. walked through the doors so and it yeah. makes it makes such a huge difference when you walk through a church especially if it's a bigger church um, that you're like where do I go I don't know anywhere one and especially if you're coming by yourself so you do such a good job at Thanks. that thank you um, and it really is what you're meant to do <laughs> So we're going to move into our topic, which means we're going to kind of 
switch gears here. And what we're going to be talking about today is molestation mm-hmm. and ch- really childhood trauma. And then we're going to move into what what does that bring into your life later on and how does it affect you later on? Yeah. So um, before we go into detail and start talking about your now what moment, I'm going to first um, read some statistics on molestation. Um, so here are some statistics for you if you if you don't know any of the statistics. Um, about one in four girls and one in 13 boys in the United States experience child sexual abuse. Um, and then another interesting uh a fact, if you will, will the younger the victim, the more likely that the abuser is a family member of those molesting a child under six. And they say about 50% are actually family members, um, which is a hard statistic to read. But again, we're kind of bringing the awareness. Um, and so with that being said, what I, what I want to ask our viewers, and this is really important, especially with this topic, is we are going to be walking through some of those traumas and we're going to be talking about where is God in that and, and how it affected you and um, where what freedom looks like, what healing looks like. And so with that, um, I really want to ask each of you that have chosen to listen to this podcast episode that you stick with us through all of the parts. I think that's really important. So we're asking if you're committed to listening to this episode that you'll commit to listening to the rest of yes. the episodes. Um, and so with that being said, Pam, will you tell us about your now what moment? Yes. So um, I um, was raised with a lot of trauma as a, as a child, um, including sexual trauma. And I grew up in uh, going to church um, and um, everyone told me Jesus loves me. And um, I didn't know they were talking about me exactly. So I did grow up um, eventually finding Christ again mm-hmm. and being um, saved, um, baptized, and ultimately uh, forgiving my offenders. Mm. Um, and so I forgive my offenders. I come out of the water and boy, I feel good and um, I feel clean and new. And then um, uh, unforgiveness was still knocking at my door. Mm -hmm. Depression was still there. Guilt, uh, shame, um, a lot of... um, a lot of things that come with that with were the still traumas. there. And so I didn't understand that why I had forgiven them, mm-hmm. but I still feel um, some of the residuals from my childhood. Right, right. Just, I just didn't know what to do. I was, well, now what do I do? Right, now, <laughs> and now what? And now what, yeah. So um, let's talk about, let's go Let's go to the beginning. Let's start with the beginning. Yes. And just before we get into any of the traumas that you experience, can you explain kind of as a young girl, I mean, we're talking just a couple years old, what did your family dynamics look like? Um, did you move often? Were you kind of staying put in the same place? Did your dad work? Did your mom work? Kind of give us kind of a picture of what your childhood life looked like. Sure. So we were we were we were 
we were poor. We were a poor family that uh, moved around a lot. Um, and the reason why we moved, it was mostly because we were constantly evicted. Um, so at this point, um, you, you know, real little, we're, we're in trailer parks, um, not a lot of, uh, we don't have a lot of material possessions. Um, my father is an alcoholic. My mother is suffering de- from depression, and she's trying to hold three jobs to compensate for my dad's alcoholism and also gambling, which um, took away a lot of money for right. necessities like utilities and rent. So um, we had five children in the house. And because my father was an alcoholic, he was also very abusive. And so we were. Um, we were really divided in the house. We were looking out for our own selves because no yeah. one else was looking out for us. Right. Uh, we were not that family that was looking out for each other because uh, we were just all living in fear. Um, right. And, and your mom was busy trying to just make it through as far as finances are concerned, which left you with your dad who was not in a place to right. be a caretaker or really even take care of himself. And my mom was also being abused at the time as well. So there was the the fact that she was having to live in this life too um, and have knowing that just children at home and trying to come to terms with that. I, 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 it's, it's hard to fathom as a mother, but um, right. that would, that is the scenario, the scenario of infestation of bugs and just uh, not clean clothes. Right. Um, so not only, yep. not only, and again, we're just giving the, the listener a kind of a picture of how, your life started. So it wasn't just your mom worked a lot of hours and your dad was an alcoholic and had some gambling issues. And obviously that wasn't a good good for your financial situation. But because your mom worked so such long hours, there were things that were neglected, such as a clean household and, and obviously and you. And us, <laughs> yes, we were kind of left to take care of ourselves. Right. Yeah, we were the kids that came in when the porch lights or the street lights came on and- um, Outside all day. Outside and, all day. Right. Yep. Um, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. So tell us a little bit about what that first trauma was or what that first trauma looked like as a young girl and how old were you? Yeah, so um, it's not unique to traumas to remember this far back. It is pretty unique uh, to, re- you know, to, to, to remember uh, at age three, but because it started with a trauma is why um, I know I remember it. Mm-hmm. And so my first memory of life is when I was three years old and I was in my mother's, I was on my mother's bed and my, my brother was trying to have sex with me. Mm. And so um, something that I know is very much um, indicative of of some childhood traumas is I remember it through what I was wearing. Mm. I remember my mother's pattern on her sheets. Um, I remember that wood paneling on the wall <laughs> that's uh, often seen in, mm. inside of older um, trailers. trailers. Um, I remember... You probably could remember smells. I do. Uh, and it, wasn't a, <clears throat> it wasn't a pleasant smell because um, right. we had animals. Some animals we chose, some animals we didn't. Right. And um, um, I just remember looking around at three looking for my mom or somebody because i we were alone um and i didn't understand at all what was happening and you didn't know i mean at that age you're 
essentially the Holy Spirit really is what it is, is telling you this isn't okay. At all. But as as a young child, you don't really know. You just know the feeling isn't a good That's feeling. Right. That's right. Um, you don't really know any better. And if it's all you know, it's all you know. That's it. Um, and then the other thing is you also have siblings who we're not going to talk about their story. Right. And we don't really know. The reality is, and I'm sure even you don't really know their full story, but we are kind of assuming that they have experienced similar traumas throughout their young life. Yes. And that is that is important in your story. But again, we're not going to talk about it. But it is right. important to remember that there were three, at, eventually there were three other girls. Yes. A part of this environment that were potentially experiencing similar things happening right. to them. Right, exactly. Um, and so again, from a young age, this is your first experience that you remember, which like you said is, you know, I think back to my childhood, I don't remember anything at that age, yeah. you know? I mean, there's a few memories I have, like I think I was like four and I cut my bangs and my parents were really mad at me and yeah. I remember like hiding that, right? But I don't remember something like that. And I think that's important for our listeners to know if that's something you have a memory about that you haven't talked about, that it's it's common. It is. And um, we'll talk more about what to do with that. Yeah. And so we're gonna fast forward to closer to the age of nine at this point. So before we get there, from three until about nine, are you experiencing this somewhat regular from your brother? Yes. Okay, so yes. this is a fairly common thing yeah. that he was doing. And then at the age of nine or around that age enters in your grandfather who was re reunited with your mom. Right. Um, and he was a pedophile. Yep. And he began to really groom you Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about, so now we enter in our second abuser. Right. And so tell me a little bit more about that time frame when your grandfather, eventually he moves into your home, right? He does. And so he um, was left to care for us as a caretaker while uh, my my parents were, were while not your mom there. was working three my jobs. mom was working for sure i can't say my dad was working the whole time but right. he was gone most of the time as well during the day so he was left to 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 care for us and um he did he started uh to try to compensate at first for uh attention or lack of attention that we had um and just you know letting us know how pretty we were and uh, trying to buy us dresses and things like that. So, um, you know, at first it was like, oh, we have a grandpa. Um, so, right. yeah, it was um, that that happened in, initially when he first got there. So it wasn't he didn't go like immediately into it. He he took he ramped right. up to it. And so, and we did talk a little bit about this before is at three with your brother, it was kind of like, there was no grooming. It was just all of a sudden. Right. That's the first memory you yes. have. And with your grandfather, there was really that grooming period. Um, so for a listener that, you know, this this topic is important, not only for people that have experienced a molestation or multiple childhood traumas, but it's also important for listeners that may have a family member that's experienced about it or 
oftentimes people don't even discuss this topic. It's something mm-hmm. that is kept in for a long time. And we'll, right. we'll get to some of some of that that you experience later on. Um, but for somebody listening that that is maybe recognizing some of the after effects of someone that may have experienced a sexual trauma or a childhood sexual trauma or a molestation or all, all of the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, what is grooming? Let's let's answer that question for someone that maybe doesn't know. Yeah. So um, it's it, first and foremost, it's attention. Um, and where it's perceived really good attention. And um, then for for my case, it was literally grooming as in brushing my hair, buying me dresses. Um, and it began with, um, you know, uh, as, as he's brushing my hair in the front, that there would be a graze, right. um, putting on a dress and his hand would go up my dress. Um, so it was subtle. Um, that you might not even notice no, at because first. It, it, because when it would happen, he would play it off as an accident. Right. Because even, we st- again, we know it's not. It's, it's not appropriate. Right. Um, and so it would be come sit on my lap. Hand would be, you right, know, positionally right. placed the underneath, um, you know, our bottoms. Right. Um, and so it was a lot of affection. Which you were not getting either at, at the time. So it was something right. that our, our heart desires, right? If we look Does. at what God intended for a healthy family environment, that is... Um, mental mm-hmm. attention that is emotional attention that's spiritual attention and physical touch and physical attention and so it was something that your spirit was lacking that you wanted but obviously when you received it you were not receiving it how god intended for you to receive it and in a healthy way right and uh then the obvious and it, that eventually led to my my father was very um physically abusive um, really loud drill sergeant kind of voice and just um, oh, just screaming, throwing things and hitting us, but also with my mother. Right. And so when those fights would break out, uh, he he be, he tried to be uh, a refuge for us, mm. come into grandpa's room, right to protect us, uh, be on our side. Right. That's not right. Which ultimately is a very twisted way for him to continue the grooming. Yes, because, and that is exactly what, um, you know, an enemy will do right. is to look for their access right. wherever it is. Wherever the, the entry point is. Yes. And so from the <laughs> grooming, so no, you're good. God bless you. Florida allergies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from the grooming, it escalated into actual touching. Yes. And even he took photographs of you. Yes, because uh, he also, I mean, even at nine, and I had a younger sister, so we often had to take baths together to conserve water. And um, so he would be in charge of bath time. Or he'd make himself in charge of bath time. Right. So when we were in the in the bath, um, inappropriately touching, you know, in the in the name of washing us. Right. And then getting out. 
being a proud grandpa to take pictures of his of his granddaughters completely naked and again going back to this being the only environment you're in you don't know any better but what you do know is it doesn't feel right no we know it's it's not right it's not right it's not right um and as we got Got older, older um when we were when we were resisting which we never were i mean you know but we didn't know um the affection and the good attention transitioned to um i'll hurt or kill your parents if you, if tell. you tell right so at this point you have your brother that is an abuser that is abusing you. Yes. Then you have your grandfather that is in the house Mm -hmm. abusing you. So you have two men that are family members in your home that are abusive. Mm -hmm. And was was that a consistent everyday thing? The grandfather thing was the brother thing at that point. Um, was not every day. So that was, because uh, at this point now he's working, so he's not home all the time. But we would have to, we would have to worry about at night though. For it was daytime with my grandfather, nighttime with my brother. And so to give our listeners kind of a idea of, we kind of talked about what your family environment looked like and what your household looked like. And so by the time you're nine years old, a day in the life of young Pam looks like you go to school, you come home, and you have, you're abused by your grandfather in whatever way that he decides to get away with it. And we won't go into detail, but it's not appropriate behavior. At all. And it is sometimes start to finish and sometimes it is the photographs and the touching. Right. But regardless, it's it's not appropriate. Mm-mm. And then at night, you have the fear of your brother on occasion or whenever he can get away with it coming in right. to your bedroom to partake in abuse. Yes. Also while being physically abused too, by the way. We were the kids that went to school with welts and marks on our legs and in our body that had that's made up excuses why we right. were so bruised and battered and right. sometimes not eating. Um, and we would, you know, have to stay over, do chores at, at uh, school so that we would get earn extra treats and, and, and food. Right, which actually this leads into my my next question that I was gonna ask you. So you've got abuser one, abuser two, and you have the third male family member abuser in your household, right? which is your father, that is inappropriate behavior, but tends to lean on the physical, mental, and emotional abuse, especially with you yes. specifically. Um, and so, I want to explain because someone that hasn't experienced that kind of abuse, it it's almost hard to even comp- comprehend or think of what that would look like. So I do want to explain to our listener, what would some of that abuse look like? And you gave me an example that I think was a really good example for being so young. So tell us about the freckles. Yeah, so this really I'm is physical and mental yeah. and emotional abuse yes. example. Um, so I'm a redhead, so I have freckles. Um, and as a little girl, 
um, we would get to the dinner table and we'd have to, of course, scrub our hands and clean up before coming to the dinner table. Um, but for the longest time, my father uh, would convince me that my freckles were dirt and he would send me to the sink to scrub the dirt off my face. Um, and I would, I went as far as using an SOS pad, which is a wool pad to scrub pots and pans and, um, would end up actually scratching off my skin mm. to sometimes bleeding. And eventually I would see him laughing and, um, yeah, so... And the really twisted part is your dad was the only, was he not the only redhead? The only redhead. Right. So he so too. He looked the mo most probably like you. Yes. Or you had the most resemblance of him. I did. Yes. And that was one of the things he did. Another thing you mentioned would, he would use food mm -hmm. to withhold. Yes. Withhold from you. Yeah. Um, just that old school mentality. You can't leave the table until your plate's clean or cleared. Um, but you also couldn't have another bite to eat of anything until that plate was cleared. Right. So that meant the, that plate went into the refrigerator for as long as it took to eat it, uh, to all. Eat it all. And, and sometimes and that would be days. I can only imagine with the home life that you've described that maybe the food wasn't always good. No. Like as far as like, legitimately being like healthy to eat. Not at all. Um, and so thank you for describing that because that's a good example of what physical, you know, we sometimes we think physical abuse is just someone hitting you. Right. But it also can be, you know, you physically need to eat food to survive. Right. So withholding that is also a form of physical abuse. Yes, and even down to the tactics of cleaning, we had, I remember the first time we actually had a dishwasher in our house, um, but we were not allowed to use it. Um, he wouldn't allow us to. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that mentality that just never went away, um, you know, and also had we not uh, done our chores when he came home in a, drunken state at two three o'clock in the morning he would come and throw just water on us in our beds to wake us up to get out and clean and do our chores right then and there yeah. regardless if we had school, school the, next, the day. next day it didn't matter and and not to mention at this point you're young <laughs> like yeah. i mean nine years old is yeah. very young this is. is not you're not even a teenager at this right. point um to even understand what's happening Probably. I mean, no, this you is, know this it's is not my right, life. Yeah. but it's, it's, it's a your hard norm. life. This it's is your this is your home. This is your norm every day. It is. Uh, it's a hard life. Um, I hear that this is my mom and dad, and I'm supposed to honor them. And and and, and I'm told by my father, you know, respect, respect, respect. And um, I see my mom just shriveled up in the corner, just crying and being right. beaten. And and you see kids out and about, probably like me. And I, I am blessed enough to have had a wonderful childhood. And so you're seeing that connection with kids out in public. Sure. And you're like, they have the same thing. Like they love their dads and they're having a great time. Yep. This is what I have. It's the same. Because yeah, you're not there. You I don't didn't know even know to compare. I just right. like, well, that's, that's, that, that's I guess that's your is. family yeah. and yeah. this is mine. And I didn't think, oh, this is my lot in life right. or why. I just thought. I didn't. Yeah. 
that, just that's this, you and this is me. Right. Yeah. So at this point, you have your brother that is an abuser living in the same home, layered with your live-in grandfather that's an, an abuser, both of which are sexual abusers, layered with the abuse of your father, which is also in your home and is also a family member. So we have three men that are family members that are abusers, either sexually, physically, or both. And then enters the fourth abuser. So can you tell us who that was and when that would occur? Yeah, and so I just wanna say that it's also very common not to remember timelines mm -hmm. and details. So uh, I, I, I remembered him, but I had never spoken about him until just a couple weeks ago when mm -hmm. you and I had gone through this. Uh, like I said, we, we did go to church. We, we, uh, we were sent to church. Uh, church van would come around in our neighborhood. Um, that's how they did it back then. And so uh, the, the gentleman that was picking us up for church mm -hmm. was also inappropriately touching us as we get on and off the van. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I go to church, I hear, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. Right. I don't know who you're talking to, because that seems really big right. and not personal at all to me. But I'll, I'll, I'll sing these songs and I'll memorize these verses. Um, and I'm so glad that they are a absolute treasure mm. that was deep down. Deep rooted uh, inside of you. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but even on the way to hear about how much Jesus loves me, you and have then someone leaving, doing something they're not yes, supposed to do. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. Um, at this point, up into this age, and you're almost 12 at this point, did anyone, any adult at this point tell you, this is not right, this is not okay? Or at this point, had all this behavior been something that really wasn't addressed and no one's told you, Pam, this is not, this is not what I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna protect you, this is not right? No, not, no. But that something did happen. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how, but my grandfather was re was um, thankfully revealed and okay. ultimately taken out so of the home. So at the age of 12, everything stopped. All the abuse, all the, the sexual abuse. Mo yes. Stopped. Yes. That you can remember for the most part. For, yes. And what ha what was that? So what happened? So my, my grandfather got arrested um, and ultimately went to jail. However, that took uh, about a year of trial. And during that year, um, we were taken from one investigator's office to another, to another psychologist, to another, to relive, reenact, draw, use puppets, um, and this language I'm talking is is in, and if because if this anyone has ever experienced this, you know this language, puppets, drawing, uh, embarrassing. And they have all the medical parts that they're and, supposed yes. to, so you can and explain. And this is embarrassing. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to. And talk you're about really pre pre become. I mean, you're right yes. on the verge of becoming a yes. woman. So at this point, you're old enough to like know what all the yes. things are. And so we're really layering 
almost the trauma of reliving this over and over and over and over again because you're having to tell your story over and over and over again. And it's So you're traumatized by talking about the trauma. It's so embarrassing. I'm telling strangers after strangers and it's, we giggle, we laugh because we're so embarrassed to to try to do this now. We are prepping, we're being prepped for court, for trial. Right. Um, And so, uh, ultimately, he did uh, get a life sentence, and um, he actually passed away in jail. So that was one down. One down. One down. So at this time, did this escalate your father's alcohol addiction and abuse to you? Yes, it was. Uh, uh, for, to, for him to realize what was happening, it just it pushed him even more and spiraled more. Uh, he he was mad mm-hmm. uh, at himself, but he took it out on us. Right. He took it out on himself in a form of addiction, but he took it out on my mom. He took it out on us. Right. So uh, my brother at that point was not living in the home as well, and uh, but it it did get. Ultimately, it got um, so bad with my father that um, my mom finally took us and left. Yes. So at the age of 13, and this is this is almost like right after your grandfather is finally yes. sentenced and sent, and sent to yes. prison. Away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sent to prison. Um, so your grandfather is convicted and your mom finally gets the courage to leave your father and he takes you and the other girls, two other girls at the time, right? Yes, yes. And also takes your brother. Yes, she took to my be essentially a caretaker while she works and works and works and works and works. Yep, he came with us. So you moved to Texas, and your brother's abuse is pretty much reintroduced into your life. But at this point. You're older. I mean, you're 12, you're 13, 12, mm-hmm. 13 age. So you're older. You understand this is not appropriate behavior. You're not okay with it. You're old enough to fight against it. So the abuse style changed a little bit because of that. So what did that look like? Um, because you would, you know, you're old enough to lock your door and things right. like that. And we were living, the girls and I, we were in one room. Um, so yeah, now we're at the point we are barricading our doors um, at night. Um, but that didn't stop him because he would get a screwdriver and take the hinges off the door. Right. As we laid there in absolute silence, uh, trying to protect each other, right? wrapping ourselves up in, in, in sheets, right? praying that my mom would come home because she was like waitressing or bartending. So that was a really late night gig and right. um, yeah. And it would, it, it kind of shifted. And I think this is important. It shifted because sometimes when we talk about molestation, we, we think of the actual act of touching, right? but the abuse shifted to, um, for example, publicly pleasuring himself. And when I say right. publicly, I mean within the, the home, home, but like in the living room, which is very traumatic because the only person that we're meant to be that intimate with is the person that God puts us together as our spouse for That's life. Right. It's not something that is meant to be seen or heard or visualized by anybody else 
a family member, nobody. And so it was a different form of abuse because it, it forced you to isolate yourself to one small area in the house, right? That's right. And I also was introduced at that point to porno- uh, uh, pornography, like Playboy magazines. Um, they were being left around the house uh, so where we could find them. He right. would, he would uh, be in the, the living room where we'd have to isolate. But um, I remember now, of course, now I have an imprint right. of what I'm supposed to look like or what, you know, now I know what other women look like, or um, what is expect, what you're expected to, what you think you're expected to. What's look attractive, like. right, right, to men. right. Yes, right. So, um, yep, yeah, that's uh, now. You're right. This is now a completely different because he doesn't really, he can't get too much access to to us any longer, right? Um, and it's really what what we end up seeing, and this is very common with molestations and sexual abuse, is we're seeing a layering of the abuse. So you've got multiple abusers at the same time abusing you, but then you're layering other elements like not being fed when you're supposed to be fed or, or being forced to eat things that are not necessarily appropriate for a young child to eat or you have now the pornography and the the um, the hearing of things you're not supposed to be hearing as a young child. So all of this abuse has been really layered into your life. And so you at this point, you really began to understand and what you're really starting to think about that you mentioned before is, okay, why do girls like boys and why do boys like girls, right? You're starting to get into that teenage years. Um, so talk about that a little bit. So um, I still, um, as a girl, as a human, still was looking for attention. Mm. Um, I knew the attention I was getting was not good, but I wasn't sure that there was another type of attention to mm. even have. So I was hopeful um, that I would act a certain way and get a different type of attention. Right. But um, unfortunately, uh, everything that was shown to me was saying you have to be, um, you have to perform in this way. You have to look. You have to look this way. And if you do, you will get attention. Um, mm. You know, and you're just hoping that it's going to be from the right right guy or right, right person right. And, and, and again at this point you haven't had a, a healthy image of a marriage modeled for you you haven't right. had a healthy image of a uh brother modeled for you no you haven't had really any healthy opposite sex relationships modeled for you right um and so Let's talk a little bit about what does a healthy relationship look like? Um, and let's talk about our Heavenly Father, which can be, and I know this, this can be really hard for somebody that has experienced abuse, sexual, not sexual, any type of childhood trauma to talk about, especially if that abuse came from a father or a father figure because generally we have those same lenses that we're looking at our God. So if we had an angry father, we may look at God as an angry God. So anything I do wrong, oh, God's gonna be so angry at me. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what 
does a, a healthy father look like? And for you, that's your heavenly father. Yes, thankfully. Um, I do have a healthy father relationship. Mm. Um, even though my earthly father um, was uh, the one whom you assume and hope are gonna, it's gonna protect you and, and love that you. you want and to to um, mirror yeah. our heavenly father and he didn't no um and so um what that looks like now is um my heavenly father being there the entire time mm. So. And I know that's really hard to talk about, yeah. but I know there's a listener out here that this is, and I'm gonna, as, this is what the Holy Spirit's telling me. There's a listener out there yeah. saying, how could you possibly say yeah. that he was with me the whole time? So I want you to speak in, speak to that woman that is saying, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe that that's possible. What would you say to that woman? and take your time. First, I would say, I believe you. Mm. And I would say, you were right. <laughs> it wasn't right. And what I know about our creator is that, um, he doesn't, he can't promise that we're not going to experience pain mm -hmm. and we're going to suffer. Um, but what he did promise is that we were not going to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Now, in the middle of that trauma, how do you look around and see anything good? Mm -hmm. um, but if I look back and I say, I wasn't protected, but I also say that I believe in God mm. and he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. That lie is broken mm. because I was protected because here I am. If I look back and say I wasn't accepted, so I was rejected by my dad, my brother, mm. my even my mom who isn't there to protect me and uh, take care of me. If I look back and if I say, my God accepts me and so much that I'm accepted into his kingdom and I've been adopted into his family um, and he's never left me and never forsaken me, that means I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. That lie is broken. I love that. I love that. So a couple of scriptures that, you know, later on, this is something that these are scriptures that spoke to you specifically about this topic. One of them is Deut Deuteronomy 31, six, and I'm reading the amplified version. It says, and we, and I was just telling you earlier that it's funny, these topics, these deep topics we're talking about, a lot of the women that I've interviewed and that we've had these conversations with have given me similar scriptures. So I'm like, mm, they must be important then. Um, so Deuteronomy 31, six says, be strong, courageous, and firm. 
Fear not, nor be in terror before them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. And so that goes along with just what you were saying, that he was there. It doesn't mean that we won't experience pain here on earth. That's right. He was with you. Yes. Um, and then the last scripture here is Joshua 1.5, and this is the New Living Translation. And it says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you, right. and I will not abandon you. And I love that word, aban- the abandoned piece, because when you're experiencing the trauma, and as you look back at the trauma, especially pre-healing or pre-freedom like we talk about the feeling specifically can be abandonment that's right um and so um i'm gonna end with a couple questions for you and we'll we'll wrap this up the first question is do you believe god was with you and do you believe that he did not abandon you Um, I firmly believe that he was with me. Um, I don't just believe that. There was a point in my freedom journey, and I'm still on that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was in a safe environment Mm -hmm. with safe people to surrender that secret. Mm. And I was able to ask the Holy Spirit to show me where Jesus was. In that room. That's right. When it was happening. That's right. And you see, so- we need, mm. we need good, safe sisters. Mm. We need good brothers that will hold our hands even though I'm 50, <laughs> to go back to that little girl mm. and feel safe mm. to open my eyes and look around. And there he was. Mm. And he wasn't smiling. He was grieving. With you. With me. Yep. First of all, I want to thank you for being so open (laughs) and so transparent and really vulnerable enough to share these pieces. Um, And the second one thing that I want to say to our listeners is that if this episode has brought up any type of memory or you've experienced some form of childhood trauma, sexual, physical, emotional, mental, any type of trauma, um, I want you to reach out to us, private me- message us. I am not the person, I'm gonna tell you, I'm probably not the person I can pray with you. But what we do wanna do is we wanna put you in touch with the resources that will help you begin or continue your healing journey. Amen. So that's where we're gonna end. Yes. And we ask that you join us for the next couple of parts here. Yes. So thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Now What with Kristen Comstock. Be sure to turn on your notifications so you don't miss the next episode. See you next time.